This morning's reading is from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 to 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Marlene, for that reading. In this passage we've just heard, the Apostle Peter is bringing to a conclusion this letter that he's writing to the churches. Churches that have been going through times of real difficulty and persecution and suffering. And Peter writes to strengthen them in their faith and encourage them through the difficulties they're going through. And in this conclusion, Peter paints a vivid picture of some of the main themes he wants us to get as uh, we as we take on board this message that he's sharing with us in this letter. And so the first thing that he draws to our attention is that we're to live humbly uh, before the Lord. And in doing that, we're going to lean upon the Lord and, and, and lean upon his mighty hand, his mighty power to save us. Our trust is not in ourselves and in our abilities. It's in him. And Alka shared a message with, with us uh, about two weeks ago on that theme. And then Peter goes on in this conclusion, and he talks about how we're to stay alert and stay awake and scan the horizon, keeping our eyes open for that enemy of our souls, the devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But Peter assures us that uh, through faith in Jesus, standing strong in Jesus and resisting our enemy, the devil, we will prevail. We will see victory. And uh, Ray shared a message last week on that theme. And now today we come to this next facet or aspect of this painting that uh, Peter is putting down for us in this conclusion. He puts it this way in verse 9. He says, knowing, or as some translations put it, remembering that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. I think a vital way of growing in our faith through times of difficulty and suffering is to, to learn from those who've walked through them those things ahead of us. To learn from those who have suffered and put their faith in Jesus and seen his mighty hand at work, even in the face of great difficulty. Back in 1996, a long time ago now, I had the privilege of, of going uh, with a small team to, to China, to the underground church in China that has suffered much persecution over the years. But at the same time, they've seen mighty revival and tens of thousands of people come to faith in Christ through their witness. 
And under the direction of a man named Dennis, who we uh, went uh, under his instruction and in, under his guidance to visit and strengthen these dear believers in China, uh, we learned so much from them. And uh, I'd just like to share with you a quick video of some scenes of those believers there in China. Here it is. In this church, the people wake up at 4.30 to come together for two hours to pray and worship. They do this every day. This church meets in the only place they are safe, a cave. This is often how churches operate in China. They start by getting everyone's attention using drama or music. Then they pray for the sick. This has become common practice in the Chinese church and for good reason. As Dennis put it, We've, I've seen AIDS patients completely delivered recently, a lot of different healings, and the healings and the miracles are one reason that many people come to the Lord. Here Christians cast out demons from an 18-year-old girl. She's now a preacher. In Shanghai alone, there are over 3,000 house churches, just like this one. One thing Dennis pointed out to me was that most of the underground churches in China are actually led by young people. These kids have all come out of the communist system, and they want nothing to do with it. They only want to spread the love of Jesus to everybody they meet. One thing I quickly realized about the Chinese church is that it's a lot different from the American one. For one thing, they think a four-hour sermon is short. In this church service, it's 120 degrees inside the building. The people meet for 12 hours straight. Dennis told me one story about a time he went to a very remote village in China to preach. He was led into a large room where the people were packed so closely together that he had his back to the wall and could reach out and touch the row in front of him. Everyone stood. There was no room to sit. He asked how long he should preach for, and they told him from 8.30 to 7 at night. Then they asked him, if it wasn't too much trouble, could you come back tomorrow and preach from 8.30 to 7 again? And then, very sheepishly, they asked again, if you'd be so kind, could you come back the day after that and preach from 8.30 to 7? He asked how often he should take breaks, and they told him not to stop. The people will wait. Then he asked them what he should preach on. Everything, they replied, from Genesis to Revelation. And then it dawned on him, these people had no Bibles. Well, those scenes certainly bring back a lot of very powerful memories of our time together with those dear followers of Jesus there in China. And as I've thought about sharing some, some of our experience and things we learned while among them, every time I, I stop to think about it, I kind of feel a fresh stirring in my heart to want to follow their example. And I, I can say that since that visit those years ago, I have changed in some measure, but I want to change more. 
And as I think about those things that they shared with us and the testimonies they told us and the things they demonstrated by their very lives as a people facing opposition and persecution in ways that I had never known in my life and still really don't know, and I want to learn from them and I want to receive from them. And I was able to put down four things that I felt were particularly potent that God helped me begin to see and understand during that visit. And I'd I'd like to share those with you today. And the first one is that those believers are aware from the very start of their Christian life that suffering and persecution and difficulty will be a part of their life. As we spoke with uh, some of the leaders among these Chinese Christians, they shared with us that quite honestly, for them, persecution and suffering had been a reality virtually every day for a long period of time. Some had been imprisoned, some had been arrested and and, uh, beaten, and many had faced job loss because of their faith in Christ and many other things. And yet, they found joy in the Lord, and they were able to tell about how the Lord had sustained them through all these difficulties. And I found out later that one of the parts of their training when they uh, teach and train young, new Christians as they come into uh, new life in Christ, they talk to them about how to deal with suffering how to deal with persecution, what you should do if you're arrested for your faith, how you should respond in the grace of Christ and mercy of Christ to those who do evil to you. And I thought, I don't think I ever got that kind of training when I was new in the Lord. And yet, I believe that they are made stronger by understanding that in life, we will pass through times of difficulty one way or another. We will go through suffering most likely one way or the other. And to know how to respond in faith to times of real difficulty and seeking the Lord's help and assistance and salvation is so vital to the Christian life. The second thing I'd like to bring to your attention is that these believers there in China maintain a strong and fervent prayer life. As we were preparing to go to China, we were informed that the Chinese believers get up very early every morning and pray for an hour and a half or two hours, and that as visitors uh, joining with them, we would be expected to join them and, and pray with them during that early morning prayer time. And I remember thinking, well, surely I can exercise a little extra discipline and get up early and pray with them and spend that time in in prayer during our visit. But uh, upon arrival uh, in China, the very first night there, I was awakened in the wee hours of the morning and I found myself in a very dark spiritual battle, something I hadn't really experienced before. 
And I began to cry out to God to help me and, and to somehow set me free from this awful darkness that seemed to surround my mind and my, my person, my whole being. And uh, I remember thinking, I can't wait until the prayer meeting starts. I can't wait until the early, early morning fervent prayer begins. And, 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 and when that time came, I was there ready to pray. I wanted to pray as fervently as I could right along with all those Chinese believers. And I felt God helping me and strengthening me in the battle. And I remember uh, the two hours seemed to just fly by and I wanted, to, I wanted it to continue. Uh, and all through that visit, I found those early morning prayer times to be a source of real help and strength and life. And what I discovered was that these Chinese believers uh, depended on encountering God afresh every day in order to face the challenges of that day. And some of the leaders told us, they said, you know, we don't pray because we have special discipline in life. We pray like this because it's the way we survive. It's the way we are able to keep our faith alive as we go through these difficult days and through persecution and suffering. And what I noticed is they found such delight in it. They, they would rejoice in the Lord and, 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 and they would let their hearts be filled with joy as they called out on the Lord. And sometimes they would weep and pray earnestly for God to come and meet them. And I was really impacted by their prayer. And uh, I really want to live in that attitude of the heart that says, we've got to encounter God every day in order to continue on in real living faith in our walk with him. Well, the third thing I'd like to mention to you as a real lesson that I felt God helped me get while there was that these Chinese believers treasured fellowship with their brothers and sisters in Christ. Those uh, followers of Jesus in China, by and large, have been stripped of buildings to meet in that are dedicated for their gatherings. Rather, they meet wherever they can, sometimes in generally in houses, sometimes in barns or open fields or even caves. But one of the things that stands out so strongly is that without buildings, without a lot of Christian literature to draw from, they have an, a wonderful appreciation of the church and a wonderful understanding of the church. They see the church as a family, which it is, and they delight in that family. When they come together, it's like a big family reunion. And you can see how they joy in being together and they eat together and they pray together and they sing together. They, 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 they stand together with one another. They minister to one another. And the Chinese church is generally made up of thousands of small groups uh, of committed disciples on mission together. And they live together in team life. They live together in that sense of being joined on mission with Jesus together as a family. And when new believers are added to them, they're immediately trained and equipped and encouraged to function as a fellow team member, 
as a fellow member of the family in the power of the Holy Spirit. In the verse we're looking at today here in, in 1 Peter, Peter makes an interesting statement. He says here, uh, think about, remember your brotherhood throughout the world. He uses that word brotherhood. And Peter's the only um, writer in the New Testament who speaks of the church as a brotherhood. He uses that term uh, uniquely in this letter that he writes. Earlier in the letter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, he says, love the brotherhood. And, and the, the Greek word that Peter uses here for brotherhood is a gender-inclusive word. It's not just speaking about one gender, brothers, but brothers and sisters. It could be translated, love the band of brothers and sisters, uh, if you wanted to think of it that way. That's the significance. And when we say brotherhood, the brotherhood of the church, we got to think about the fact that it's all of us, young, old, men, women, children, new Christians, those who are just being added, those who are aged and elders among us. It's a brotherhood made up of every single member of the family. And that's what Peter's bringing across to us here. Love the brotherhood. And that's what we saw happening among those Chinese believers. They demonstrated that reality in a very powerful way. Well, now the fourth thing I want to bring to you as an important lesson that I really learned among those Chinese believers is that they have a great zeal to see others come to know Jesus and walk with him. It's a very common thing for these Chinese Christians to go out in groups uh, to other towns and villages and cities round about hoping to share the good news of Jesus with people in other places who haven't yet heard about him. And as they go, they often look for opportunities to pray for the sick or the afflicted and see Jesus heal them. And uh, they do see many healings as they go out. Not everyone gets healed, but they're expecting that the Lord will show his power and his grace and his goodness in setting people free from sickness and disease and oppression. So they pray for people, and oftentimes they see miracles happen. And they then will share the goodness of Jesus and the good news about Jesus with those same people and uh, give them opportunity to respond to Jesus and and, and, and be saved and baptized and filled with the Spirit. Uh, they are a people of action. They're a people who take big steps of faith frequently in their lives. Uh, while was, we were there, I heard the story of a Western teacher who came over there to teach them, and he spent a whole day sharing with them about the theology of divine healing. And, and their only question after that day of, of teaching was, we don't really understand how come we heard about healing all day long and yet we didn't go out to heal anybody. Shouldn't we respond to what the Bible says and go heal some people? 
And I thought, well, that's, that's pretty amazing for some of us who are used to just gaining information, but not doing too much. These Chinese believers hear and obey as a way of going about life. They are a people of action, of obedience. They're not just theorizing about God. They want to learn about God, yes, but they want to take steps of faith in the light of what they've learned and see God change other people. They take seriously the Great Commission where Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended back into heaven, he said, go make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I command you. And I'm with you always to the end of the age. And I would say those Chinese believers have really got a hold of that idea of teaching those new uh, converts to Christ to obey everything he has commanded with the understanding that we can't do it in our own strength, but Jesus is with us and he will help us. In the first meeting I was in, there in China, there were, they were worshiping the Lord and, and singing and they came to one song in Chinese that they were singing. And as I looked at the people singing this song, I realized they were really being touched and affected by this song. And I, I, I asked the interpreter there with me to translate the words for me. And, and as he translated the words of that song, I was scrawling them down in my, in my journal. And, and this song that I wrote down in English to, uh, to try to remember, really seemed to capture the heart and the passion of those Chinese believers. And I want to read you what I wrote in my journal that day, the translation of that song as it was given to me. Here it is. We have suffered with humility, with great pain and tears. Today we need to go forward until the day we meet the Lord. We must go down to the streets and look for the missing lambs. The burden of our hearts is strongly bound to the people, old people, young children, those upon stretchers. They don't want to be left behind. The day is not far off. The road is not far away when the hearts of our national leaders will change. All the prophecies through the generations are going to be fulfilled. Wow, that song so captures these things we've talked about today. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we ask you to help us to learn from our brothers and sisters around the world, particularly these that we've spoken about in China that have suffered so much and experienced your power and your presence in wonderful ways as well. Lord, these dear people have so much to teach us. And we know, Lord, that their suffering and our suffering will one day come to an end. You are coming back. And when you do, that suffering will be over for good. But meanwhile, Lord, we pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and that in the midst of this troubled world, you would use us for your glory 
that you, Lord, would be known for who you really are, the wonderful King, the promised Savior. Lord, you are our hope and our life, and we worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen.